This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello, everyone. Before we start the show, we'd like to announce our new partnership with Therese Eyewear. Therese specializes in Polaroid glasses for outdoor folks like us that won't break the bank. Now, they have many styles to choose from, whether you're biking, jogging, playing sports, or like us on the water all day where we need to keep that sun glare down to catch fish. Now, with a lifetime warranty, 60-day fitment replacement, saltwater corrosion, and scratch resistance, how much can you add, more can you ask for? Therese has something to offer for everyone. Now, don't forget to use our coupon code TIDECHASERS at checkout on their website at therese.com. That's T-O-R-E-G-E.com for a 20% off discount for all our listeners. Now, let's get on with the show. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast, where it is our goal to connect listeners from all over to different folks throughout the fishing industry from all over uh, with like-minded individuals. You know, we, uh, our goal is to connect you with other charter captains, fishing guides, folks from throughout the whole industry. So we have an exciting guest on today, but first I wanted to let you know where you can find us. We are on Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers, on Facebook at Tide Chasers Podcast. We're also on all of your major podcast platforms, as well as Waypoint TV. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce my co-host, Kwa. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Good. Kind of super excited about this episode. As soon as you told me about it, I was like, you know what? I had this thing since I was a kid. I had an obsession with sharks. I used to go to the library and just rent, take out any books I could find on any kind of sharks. Back then, I swear I could name almost 150 species. Now, I don't think I can name my probably 10. But, <laughs> you know, but you know, hopefully our guest is going to refresh all that and bring me back into it. Like I said, it's a species I've always been intrigued with. And to actually talk to somebody that deals with them on a day-to-day basis it excites me more than anything, man. Yeah, man. So we're going to introduce our guest today. He is Ike Stone from South Carolina. How you doing, Ike? Hey, I'm good. How y'all doing? Not bad, man. Not bad. We're excited to have a chat with you. So give us a little bit, uh, you know, we, we really jump into this uh, with everybody where we get into your fishing background, you know, how you got started, some of your early influences. So give us an idea how you got in, into the fishing world and, and who influenced you to, in the beginning and give us a little bit of your backstory. Alrighty, y'all. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so let's see. You know, I guess I've grown up on the water. I'm fortunate enough to have grown up in Hilton Head, South Carolina, uh, which is an island for those of y'all that don't know. Um, it is a it's a beautiful place, huge fishery, and I mean, probably starting at the age of five, I had a, a fishing rod in my hand, and I'd be going for these crazy sized redfish that you know very few people around the world get to see. Um, it kind of started with that and eventually it developed into shark fishing, started with friends um, on the beach, just casual fishing. And next thing you know, I'm here uh, tagging them. And we're going for a, 
a record-setting number this year, 100 tags in one season. So things have kind of grown pretty exponentially since it started. So you, know, you, you you've gotten into the, sh the shark tagging with your friends, and then you developed a, a, a I guess a name for it, Sea Star. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So Sea Star is kind of my little uh, my little project. Um, it stands for the Southeastern Atlantic Shark Tagging and Research. And so right now it's just a uh, just a club with a few guys that enjoy fishing and tagging sharks. Um, but eventually, I want to turn that into an actual research organization. Um, you know, later down the line and kind of make something bigger of it. So right now it's just a baby club, but one day we're hoping for something pretty big. So, so what was it that got you uh, so, so interested in sharks and, and then obviously going into the, the, the program that you and your buddies uh, came up with tagging the sharks? So let's see, I guess COVID-19 hit the world and um, my buddies and I, you know, we love being outside uh, um, and you, know, you couldn't really hang out indoors. Everybody was quarantined. So we decided we'd go hang out on the beaches every day and uh, started out with light rods you'd fish, like little redfish for, and we just throw them out there. And we'd end up pulling in four or five foot sharks with them. And, and I mean, I got to say, probably from the first screaming reel, I was just hooked. I mean, it's just a whole different animal. And, you know, that feeling of hooking up with an apex predator on the other end, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, so, you know, that kind of that kind of fueled my interest in it. And, you know, I, I see a bunch of people fishing for sharks all over the place, all over the island. And, you know, I wanted something more than just fishing. I didn't want to just target sharks, you know, release them like, yeah, it's fun. But, you know, I wanted to do something bigger with that. And so I started Sea Star um, and I got in touch with the NOAA Cooperative Shark Tagging Program and got my first set of tags back in August of 2020. And it um, wasn't until April of the next spring that we actually got our first tag in because the season had just ended, unfortunately. Um, but started doing that. Basically from there, it's kind of become a, like my life. I mean, I, I'm thinking sharks almost 24 seven, you know, I work in a regular job and all I can think about is, man, I wonder what's in the water out there, you know? So it's, uh, it's been fun. It sounds like all of us, like I'm always, always wondering what's going on someplace. So I, I get that. Now, what were some of the, outside of breaking your, your goals for the, the tagging this year, what were some of the goals of the program that you're, you're starting with your buddies, the club that you're starting with your buddies to bring like awareness? Uh, what, what types of things were you looking to, to accomplish with Seastar? Well, honestly, I just originally became just a structured thing where, you know, we'd have something that we were doing and originally it actually started as a way for beach patrol to stop bothering us for fishing during the day um so that's you know it worked too we'd say oh we're sea star we're doing this for research purposes and they, you know they'd back away to say oh that's cool you know that's great uh. <laughs> um but the, you know, the truth behind it is that uh you know i i have a genuine passion for, for sharks um shark research shark conservation uh, I think that they're probably one of the most important species on our planet. Um, they control the ecosystems of the ocean. They feed on the sick and the weak fish, and they kind of keep everything in check underwater. And, you know, as most people know, our earth is 70% water. It kind of controls the way the land works too. Um, so, you know, just, I mean, you, you catch and tag one shark and, I, I mean, I can't even relate to anywhere other than, you know, you, you catch that first shark. And for me, that, that instant feeling was, I wonder where it's going. I, I wonder why it's here, um, what it's doing here, and where's it going to go next. So when you put a tag into it, you're hoping to see its, uh, its migration pattern. And you get to learn a little bit about that shark, that species. And in the grander scheme of things, you kind of figure out, the like changes in our ocean and, and um, just the overall population distribution of sharks around the Atlantic Ocean. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna have you rewind a little bit. What, do you remember your first encounter with a shark? How old you were and what it was? Yeah, um, <laughs> it was actually only three years ago, and it was about the size of my hand. It was a little tiny guy. Uh, my first real shark would have been. A few catches after that, um, we caught a eight-foot bull shark right off the beach. It took two and a half hours to bring that thing in. 
it was ridiculous. I mean, probably the most fight, most exhausting thing I've ever been a part of. But when we got it landed, it was it was just jaw dropping. It was incredible to see something that big. I mean, its mouth is as big as your whole chest. It's just it, you know, it's it's otherworldly, really. I, I guess uh, nailing something like that pretty early on in your uh, experience with them is what keeps you going. You know that there, you know there might be something always bigger out there than that big one you got early on, right? No doubt. There's always a bigger fish. <laughs> now, is there so when it comes to shark tagging, for for example, is there like a specific season that is better, like a prime season for you down there in Hilton Head, where you know you have like I don't know whether it be April to October or something like that? Is there a, a good a good window of time to tag the sharks? So in previous years, it's kind of been that end of March, maybe mid-March range, all the way through August. Um, usually it dies off at the end of August. Uh, this past year, we got our first tag in, and I guess it was April, so it actually took a little bit longer. Um, but then the season ran almost all the way through to October, uh, which was very unusual. Um, normally it's cooler weather cooler water the sharks are usually moving on by then so it's kind of kind of tells you a little bit something about you know the the ocean changes um so that's something we've been observing lately there is a uh, there's an ongoing study um with the university of miami shark tagging program and shark like research program for master students and they are in collaboration with dr neil um, hammerschlong and they're studying tiger shark migrations throughout the Atlantic coast. And they have been predicting for the last few years that tiger sharks move north every two, like, or I guess every year, two weeks earlier than the year prior. So with that kind of information, we're going out and we're actually gonna start uh, fishing for these guys in early March, because we're anticipating an earlier season um, than we had last year. And that's just due to the water change in temperature and everything, so. Now, how many, how many different types of sharks have you tagged thus far through, uh, I guess, this few years you've been doing it? So last year, we, uh, we were only able to tag 19. Um, we, weren't, we weren't going after them as much as we're planning on going on uh, this year. But we tagged five different species, um, and that was from South Carolina into different parts of Florida as well. What, what were the species you tagged? Like, what the... So uh, we tagged, let's see, we tagged a lot of fine tooth sharks. That's a, it's a very prevalent species down in Hilton Head um, and a bunch of lemon sharks. Those are gonna be your two most popular, most common kind of sharks. Um, we had a wave of black tips come in and they usually come in around the July area. Um, and then let's see, uh, we got spinners on there. Hold on, I have actual list. Hold on, let me pull it up real quick. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Oh, so while you're pulling up that list, I had a question. Yeah. Uh, now, do you do uh, regular tags like, uh, like just say the little strip tags, or do you guys get into more like the the sat tags? So I won't be able to do sat tags until I actually have a full-on degree in this, and I'm doing this with doctors of the study. Um, okay. So we're doing the conventional tags, just the little yellow dart tag. Um, okay. So whenever anybody pulls that kind of shark up that has a little yellow tag in it, it's very important to one, not cut that thing off and mm -hmm. two, write down that number and go and report it to Noah's uh, shark recapture um, report page on, I guess it's on their website. Right. Um, if you look up, you know, tag shark, what to do, Google will tell you exactly where you need to go. Um, but that's very important. I've seen a couple of videos where people take scissors and they just snip the tag right off and, I'm thinking you have no idea how much work just went into doing that. You just snipped it right off. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 why I asked because a, a lot of people out here they're not they they're new to tagging, so they mm -hmm. don't know the process of it. So it's always good to kind of give an idea, like you know, if if you can, you know, get the measurements of it and where you caught it and stuff like that, and then write the numbers down, and then you know, kind of you can go you got for I get for your tag. I'm assuming you can log online and enter your info, or do you have to call the number? No, that's exactly what you do. There's a form online. You can just put in the tag number, um, your location. They want you to be as specific as possible. So if you can get the longitude and latitude of it, that's ideally what they're looking for. Um, sex of it, which should already be reported, but if it's not, it helps that you just re-report it just to confirm it or to add that information to the uh, to the tag. 
um, the length of it. That's also big to see, you know, how, how it's grown since it was previously tagged. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, any, any characteristics you notice, like mating scars, bite marks, um, any kind of like disease or sickness, well, it's anything like that. Um, just, you know, little, if anything pops out, you know, we really want to know what it is. And that way we can take that information and add it to this shark tag identity. Gotcha. And I'm assuming your regulations are somewhat like ours up here north is uh, the same rules apply because I assume it's federal waters. It's you don't remove the sharks out of the water. Uh, you leave them in the water, you measure them in the water and then you release them in the water. Don't take them off. Don't take them out of water, like pull them up on the beach or any of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. One of the uh, one of the biggest things that you just you don't want to do is you don't want to harm that shark so that it can't swim off. You want it to be able to scoot right along as if nothing happened. Um, and sometimes you end up having to lose a tag just because, you know, it was a chaotic fight. The shark's not looking good. You'd rather just get it sent off and, you know, keep it up for another two, three extra minutes to get the tag in and get the data reported. Gotcha. Yeah. So I got the list here. Um, so over last year, we had um, a fine tooth or a bunch of fine tooth, a bunch of bonnet heads, bulls, lemons, nurses. And then there are black tips as well, but those aren't from last season. Um, we actually did not see very many black tips as we were used to this past year around. They only came in for about a two or three week period and we missed pretty much all of them. We got a couple that we caught, but we weren't able to tag due to the reasons I just spoke about. So, you know, don't have any black tips from last year. What would you consider to be the, the rarest shark you've tagged thus far? Um, I mean, I'd base it pretty much on size. Um, I don't have, you know, constant access to a boat. So what my group and I are doing is we're usually uh, fishing from the beach, kayaking baits out and everything. So for us, a rare catch is going to be a bigger shark. Um, it's not going to be, you know, you're not, you're not getting these glorified, you know, great whites or tigers or anything. I mean, there's always that possibility and that's 100% on the bucket list, but um, our biggest one, our biggest lemon, I know for sure off the top of my head was a, a was an 85 inch one um, that we tagged. I know we pulled up a nine plus footer a year ago. Um, so the eight foot bull was honestly very rare. That is a, uh, that is a very rare shark to catch from the beach. So that's probably the one actually. That was, you said your, your first real big shark was that, that big one there. And that's still your, your prize catch. Right so now, you, yeah, right now. Do you have so do you do you target the sharks differently based off of what you're targeting, like the the species of shark you're targeting? Do you have different plans to target the the fish in different areas, like river systems, or whether it be all beachfront, anything like that? Yeah. So, well, first let me say there's a guy down here in Hilton Head that does a lot of um, satellite tags for different organizations up north. That he covers the hammerheads, the tigers, and the great whites in the winter. So he's got that kind of cover. And what my job and my team does, since we're off the beach right now, we're pretty much targeting those like subspecies, those smaller ones. They're not, you know, you're not going to pull up 11 foot sharks on the regular beach. It's just not very possible. Um, so when we do go to the beach, I mean, we will, for kayaking baits out, we're kayaking these baits out. 300 yards off the beach with those we're going to use at least 18 inch baits just massive soaked up baits that are just covered in blood a little bit rotten that's ideal right there <laughs> uh, and we'll let those go out there and that's going to pull in your nine foot lemons your eight foot bulls um, and then there's always that potential for you know a tiger or a hammerhead if they're swimming close by um, and then you know if we're using casting rods uh, we're doing small cut mullet um you know sometimes we'll throw a lady fish or a blue fish in there but majority of the casting rods are going to be you know about a fist size bait just so we can cover all the bases you know the in-between stuff and more likely than not it's getting picked up by a five or six foot shark rather than an eight foot shark have you had um have you had any of your tags specifically return at, at, yet i've had one one okay. returned um which is encouraging because it shows that the program actually works <laughs> um, so that's good 
uh, I had a, uh, there was a nurse shark that we tagged down in the Keys that actually got caught by one of my buddies who lives around the corner from where we were fishing. And he actually recaught the shark um, a couple of weeks later. So, you know, nothing really changed on the size or anything of it, but it was encouraging to see that, you know, the tag works, it didn't harm the shark and it's still out there swimming today. Uh, what what types would, types of things would you say you've learned since you started doing this compared to now? Like what types of things have you learned along the way that have uh, made your your process, you know, more efficient or whatever it may be, you know, you know, different windows you're targeting the fish? Like what, what types of things would you say you've learned that, that increase the, uh, I guess, the popularity of your tags and the, the, the getting getting the information you need and then obviously connecting with the targets you're after okay so say the number one thing is just shark safety um we have learned a ton about the handling and uh the overall safety of dealing with these sharks um when we first started just casually fishing for sharks i mean we were doing it all wrong (laughs) we were you know we were taking the shark out of the water taking pictures i mean everybody does it and you know nobody's saying don't until you actually get into the field and you start you know researching it and you know you want to do it right and so the biggest thing i've learned um is just making sure that shark is okay making the shark a priority um and you know if you get a picture here or there you know make sure you're doing it right make sure it's a quick pull out of the water and then right back in if you're doing something like that um as far as actually the tagging process, um, we have pretty much gotten that down to a science. Uh, it usually takes three people. I have one person who's actually reeling in the shark. Their job is just to keep that line up and keep that hook and the weight like pretty, uh, pretty steady away from, away from the people that are trying to do the tagging and the measurements and everything. You have one guy who's in charge of actually inserting the tag. And then you have another guy who's measuring um, just kind of giving a general observation report on the shark and uh, reporting what sex it is. Um, and all of that goes down in about a minute and a half span. And then the shark is turned around and sent right out. Um, two minutes is kind of that point where we start to, we start to really push it. We start to make sure that, you know, the shark is still doing okay uh, um, and you know, get, you know, get our shit together so that we can actually get that shark out of there safely. You had any close calls with that ever? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, we've we've had quite a few sharks where, you know, the hook won't come out um, no matter what you're doing. You've done it a hundred times. You just you can't get that barb through. Um, we've had situations like that. We now keep a, a pair of bolt cutters on us at all times that you can snip right through it if need be. Um, that was one of our lessons learned from, you know, many mistakes and many trial and error situations. Um, you know, the... I mean, there's definitely been times where the shark isn't looking all right and you just got to abandon ship and you got to you got to send it off without the tag, which is usually unfortunate. And doesn't make you feel too good about it, but, you know, you live another day. Uh, so what advice would you give to uh, people looking to get into tagging sharks or new anglers looking to get into shark fishing? What advice would you give them? Obviously, you mentioned a lot of the safety of the shark in the last uh, with the last uh, question, but what what advice would you give to new anglers looking to get into shark tagging? Well, number one, I'd say do your research before you do it. Um, just make sure that you really are paying attention to the actual process and the safety of the shark, like I mentioned. Um, and then after that, I mean, have fun with it. It's a huge trial and error game. I mean, the amount of sharks I've lost, the amount of times where, you know, we've been that close to reeling it in and right as it hits the waves, it swims off because you said it right just there's so many different small details that go into actually pulling in a shark and you know if you're not having fun with it you're just going to be miserable because you're going to lose more than you win at least in the beginning um the other thing i would say is you know just pay attention to when you actually have successful trips versus when you don't um because i've had many times where we've gone out it looks perfect but we've had this looks perfect scenario before and i mean you know say the weather lines up the tide lines up and you know you're thinking it's gonna be a really good day but you've had previous days like this where it's not it's not ideal it's not going well so just you know despite what it looks like do your research and take notes and you know make sure that you're going in the same type of day that you had before because i mean it always you know and the other thing is just, I mean, be patient. Just 
be patient because it'll take hours sometimes for that first shark to bite. But when it does, it's, it's absolutely worth it. Gotcha. Now, um, I, well, before I start moving on to the next one, uh, when you caught, when you said kayaking baits 300 yards out, I'm, I'm assuming you're in the pitch darkness, right? Out there pitching baits out there. Like I always, I've, I've heard of guys doing it. Right. And I always, I always wonder what runs through you guys mind dragging a 18 inch rotten chunk of flesh dripping blood off your kayak whole trail 300 400 yards offshore to drop the bait in with like a brick just to hold that bait down like like it's uh it's one of those situations like skydiving you don't tell your family members until after you've done it (laughs) you know um i mean What's under me? What's under me right exactly. now? What could possibly go wrong? I know I'm leaving a trail of just chum. I'm making action in the waves. Like mm-hmm. this is this is such a bad idea. Every time I'm like, this is an awful idea. <laughs> yeah, I always ask shark. I have a couple of shark fishing friends. I was like, you guys are out of your mind. You guys yeah. are literally a chum. You guys are a chum slick headed <laughs> out 300 yards in a kayak that's probably not that big and it's unbalanced. You guys are making so much noise. You guys get the if you guys get the you know the lemons and the like the smaller guys you're okay, but if you're gonna get Betty White out there, that ginormous great white, you know I mean the odds of it are rare, but you never know. You know what I mean we just heard about that shark attack in, in Australia, right? It's yeah. all crazy. So it's like it's you never know what happened. That's why I'm like you guys are a paddling chum slick headed out 300 yards, and your buddies <laughs> probably couldn't even see you guys in the dark out there. No, it's like sending out a beacon. It says, bite me, bite me. <laughs> it's awful, but, you know, it's it's kind of part of the thrill of it, I guess, um, in some sick way. <laughs> I guess it is. Like you said, it's just like skydiving, right? You, you just close your eyes, you just do it, and just roll with it. Yeah, I'll tell you, there's nothing more relieving than stepping off the kayak when you're done. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Uh, yeah, yeah um, Dan tapped on us just a little bit, but um, like about if you have you have you guys actually had any bad incidents while handling sharks um, on shore or whatnot? Um, I mean, even if it's just say a, a tail nick or something like that, because we know their skins are weird. If you go one direction, it's super smooth. You go backwards, revenge. It's literally like razor sharp blades. Yeah, yeah, I can tell you firsthand that's true. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're releasing one shark. Uh, it was a smaller bull shark it was probably seven feet um and i was in charge of guiding it you know out in the water and it was still in shallow water and i mean that thing gave me the worst five star i've ever felt in my life it kicked off and it kicked off right off my back and i mean (laughs) i mean mean, and and bulls are aggressive too like bulls are aggressive like i've seen people pull bulls out by the tail and then literally their head comes back almost to their tail and able to bite you. And I'm just like, out of all sharks, I think I'm more afraid of bulls than like great whites and stuff. Cause what, what, yeah. what I don't know what the studies are, but most attacks up the coast are not, are a good percentage of them are bull attacks. They're not like, it's not like a great white or anything. It's mostly bull attacks. Cause they're very super aggressive. Well, you know, that's what jaws was based off of. It yep. wasn't actually a great white. It was a bull shark. Yeah. yeah that, that, yeah. That bull shark was up here by us up in Matawan up in uh, yep. North Jersey. So yeah, we, uh, yeah, I don't, as far as other, I mean, we've never really had any terrible situations. We're usually really, really careful. I mean, we understand the power that these guys have and we, we don't underestimate it for one bit. So we, we really try our best to, you know, keep our hands free and, uh, avoid any bad situations from happening. Yeah. The small one, the small ones are fun. It's one of the big ones. Like, I, like I was telling you before off offline is, a. I was out fishing this year and I came up by, by solo ride at bunker school looking for Kobe and stuff. And I had 11 foot hammerhead literally just swim right next to the boat, minding its own business and just cruising. But like the comparison, when you think 11 feet is not that big, but when it's next to your little 15 foot skiff, it changes right. the, it changes the dramatic size of it instantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you, you ever had a chance to see a hammerhead up close anywhere up the coast? I have not. Uh, that's one of those that like, we, just, we don't really see many of those down here in Hilton Head. Um, we know they're there and they're probably hanging out in the deeper water and a bunch of people that have caught them offshore. Um, you know, I don't really get a whole lot of chance to go offshore and that's something I'm trying to change here in the future. But uh, as of right now, no, I have not really had any. We've caught a couple baby hammerheads, but 
nothing, nothing like the size we want. Gotcha. All right. So, I mean, with what's going on now, I'm assuming you're, you're in school and your, and your background is going to be marine biology, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's cool. the, uh, that's the goal. Cool. Yeah. So, um, I mean, what you're doing now, are there current, your ongoing studies that you would, any kind of particular shark that you're focusing on some of your studies? Yeah. So, um, we've kind of, we've caught a lot of lemon sharks and it's one of the more under-researched sharks out there. So what my guys and I have been doing more of an observational study on lemon sharks. Um, and it really didn't start until we went down to the keys and did a tagging trip down there. Um, lemon shark babies live down in the keys in the Florida area and the Bahamas in mangroves. And they actually, they hang out there until they're of a decent enough size to move out and then they move up the shore. Um, and so we catch, I think our minimum size up in Hilton head is five and a half, six foot. And you're not really going to see anything smaller than that. Uh, and then we go down there for a tagging trip and we pull up a couple of these little two and a half, three, four footers. We got a tag in one, three and a half foot down there um, just to, you know, see if it ends up anywhere. Uh, it probably will take a little while, but I ended up going back down to uh, about the halfway point between us and, uh, and where we were in the Keys, and it was off New Smyrna Beach. Um, I went shark fishing for a little bit. It was a solo trip, so I couldn't do anything crazy, so I just did some casting out into the water. Um, I ended up pulling up two sharks, both lemons, both right in that medium-sized range, right in between what I'd caught in the Keys and what I'd caught in Hilton Head, so since then, um, we've kind of been doing an observe, like an observation report on the, the migration pattern and the size compared to location as you move up the coast. Uh, so that's just something that we're working on right now. And you know, as of right now, I'm going to argue that we don't have any baby lemons. Uh, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's caught one and would completely disagree with me. But uh, as of right now, our study is showing that they do like progressively move up, but only as they get bigger. It's not like a big of a migration for the smaller ones like there are for other sharks. Gotcha. So correct me if I'm wrong, but lemon sharks have that adversity that they can, they can get into freshwater too, right? Somewhat. I know bulls can, but lemons, because I know I, I'm, I'm from Florida, so I know I, we've caught enough lemons as is, but we've seen lemons further up the rivers that kind of brackish water, I would assume. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen like different studies on locations of sharks and things and the brackish water doesn't seem to be an issue for a lot of them um especially i mean my there's no research backing this so i could be completely off but uh, from what i've caught and comparing different sharks i'd say that the lemon is so docile such a lazy kind of shark that it doesn't need that free range like the rest of them. like black tips would never survive i mean they they're moving constantly they would have to be in open open water situations, whereas you know the bull and the the uh, the lemon they kind of they'll hang out in one spot for a while and you know that maybe that's why. But I really don't know that much about their freshwater capabilities right now. Gotcha. That was my next next question. I've heard that like lemon sharks are almost like they're like puppies. They're very docile. They're easy to handle. They're not super aggressive like some other sharks. But that's what I was gonna. Is that is that a true or is that a myth? Uh, that's completely true. I mean, it's pulling in a rug, basically. You might get one or two little runs out of them, but they are the easiest shark to pull in. I mean, I've uh, I've pulled in a couple where I thought there was like a three-footer on the other end. It turns out to be an eight-foot lemon shark. And I mean, you know, it's just, there's no fight in them. They're super lazy. And then they get up and they, they're almost, it's almost like they accept that they've been caught. You know, they just, they're like, all right, here we go. Just going to go through the process. All right, see ya. <laughs> like, they are they are the easiest sharks to work with. They so. almost they almost sound like our like what our, our sand tigers up here, Dan. Is that right? Is that our sand tigers are super lazy up here? You catch them, it's like dragging in a big fat tire. Yep. 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 Sounds exactly right. Yeah. So um so most of the data that you guys collect from these tags, um, like what kind of example of studies at that there you're actually using them for? Right. So the, uh, the tags are used by, uh, by recreational anglers, commercial industries, and, uh, and the NOAA fisheries, like they'll send out teams. And it's all a, a collaborative effort to get basic, basic reports on sharks in the Atlantic Ocean. And what we're doing is we're going for um, key information on their population, their behavior, their migration patterns, and their overall stock 
And what we're doing with that information is then, well, NOAA is taking that information and they're applying it to um, bigger studies that involve the atmosphere and the ocean and how it's changing over the past years. So you can track a shark and you can follow the water temperature changes through that area, wherever the sharks pass by. Um, so that's one of the few things. I mean, it's a, it's a giant study that, and it all contributes to just, to just planet earth in general. Um, but you know, the, our goal down on a, on a much smaller scale is migration patterns. We're marking the days that we're catching these sharks and then the days that it stops. So you've got a strict plot point on the map of where sharks were here. Now they're not. Um, and you can correlate that to water temperatures or the weather, or, you know, freezes, things like that. But our job is just to, uh, just to report, you know, when it's happened and the hard facts right then and there. And then we leave it up to Noah to take care of the rest. Gotcha. I mean, it, I assume it's gotta be an important study for like the conservation of sharks and stuff like that. And then I guess, to see if there is a population of breeding sharks in your area, right? Sorry? Oh, so I'm assuming most, some of the data also helps about them, like the migrations and also the fact that maybe you might have a population of breeding sharks in your area. Right, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, there is a, I mean, there's current evidence that we are the birthplace for, uh, for great whites that end up moving up to y'all's area up north. Um, and then, I mean, we've caught a couple sharks, um, a lot of fine tooth that have mating scars right around that July, really warm weather temperature. Um, and so there's also not a lot of research on fine tooth sharks, but we are kind of getting towards the conclusion that we are a potential mating ground for the fine tooth species, which is pretty cool. You know, that's, that's neat. I've never seen one of those. I'm gonna have to Google that one up later. Fine tooth. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty similar to a spinner or a black tip. Mm -hmm. really ugly thin teeth <laughs> that would be probably why it's called that they call that then exactly. um i know you talked a little bit about uh part uh targets you right you said you were you're shooting for at least 100 tags this year now do you feel that's like is that like a far reach for you or do you think it's it's something that's possible uh it's definitely a reach but um i talked to the coordinator at noaa um about the the number of tags that they receive per organization and i asked her what the uh, what the most tags she's ever gotten back was. she said oh we have four organizations right now that'll send in roughly 100 but we've never had more than 100 for organizations so i talked to my guys i said hey guys we're breaking that 100 mark we're doing it <laughs> so it's gonna be a lot it's gonna be uh, very difficult we're gonna be oh. exhausted if we get close to it but it's a goal we got going in so Hopefully we can pull it off. Hello. Do you have a girlfriend, Ike? Huh? Do you have a girlfriend, Ike? No, you can't have him when you got. All this I was going to say you're going to spend right? a lot of nights on the beach, my man. Yeah, yeah they wouldn't like that. Now. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of long nights with your boys and sleep nights and sleeping bags mm -hmm. and rotation switches to get these fishes. It's yeah, but yeah. sounds like a good time. You can't. I mean, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, who needs women when you have sharks, right? There you go. <laughs> There's the quote. <laughs> that's the one that's, that's the, the one that's the one we're gonna use there you go <laughs> i love it i love it um any other particular targets you're you're kind of thinking about hopefully being captured this year so we uh we definitely want to break that five species love last year we want to get much more than that um we're trying to get at least at least a tiger or a hammer or something big you know something something big that we haven't caught before um i think we came really close last year um we all went out for a uh, for a tagging trip and about an hour into soaking these baits rod just starts screaming and i mean it is ripping it is faster than i've ever seen before we grabbed the rod my buddy and i both are planted, heels in the sand, and we are literally getting dragged into the water, holding on. We're at full drag. We got nothing left in us. The reel is almost empty, and it pops out. It pops like the hook bends, and it pops out. So one lesson right there, don't go cheap. Just can't go cheap anymore. Uh, it's going to become a much more expensive product in the future now. Um, but then the other thing was that you can really catch them anywhere. This was on a casting rod. We didn't kayak the baits out. Um, we found a good spot that we're definitely going to be returning to this year. 
Um, and whatever was on that line, we're calling her Big Mama. We want Big Mama this year. <laughs> it sounds crazy. But um, I, I have a guy that's down there. He, I guess he vacations or sometimes he goes down there, but he, he tags for great, uh, great tag research. Like a right. lot of like the bass, the striper, big stripers and stuff. Um, I mean, I, let me reach out to him, see if it's something he's interested in, like shark tagging. Maybe yeah. he can, he can hook up with you guys and you guys can arrange something to go offshore and tag bigger fish. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's something he's down. Like his name's Chuck Tymon yeah. and he does a lot. Yeah. He does a lot of tagging up and down the shore for great tag research. So, I mean, maybe it's something he's interested. In. I'll reach out to him and see if, he'll, I mean, if, if something he was interested in the touching base with you guys. Maybe you guys can get into, like, offshore tagging. Yeah, that would be awesome. That's the eventual goal. Um, we do have one trip coming up this spring where we're actually going to – we have a boat for four days in the end of April. So we're going to try to get some bigger fish then and knock out at least 15 tags in that span of four days. Very cool. Um, so, but, you know, that would be awesome if that connection went through. That would be incredible. I'm yeah. hoping to talk to y'all in a year from now and have a much different story to tell about the types of sharks we've been tagging. And definitely. Uh, yeah. Any crazy stories, anything? I know we talked a little bit about horror stories and like stuff like that, but you've had any kind of crazy stories about shark, like maybe you guys had a crazy night that had like three rods going off at one time or any of that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'd say the craziest one was really that one where, I mean, my buddy and I, we're holding onto that rod and we got dragged into the water. Probably, we probably got dragged through the ocean, like 25, 30 yards. Um, and I mean, I wish there was a fish to tell about that. I really do. That was the saddest moment ever when that broke off because who knows what we pulled in. Uh, but, you know, we've had a few nights where, I mean, it'll just be real screaming after another screaming, screaming. And it's just incredible. I mean, it's very rare. Um, usually you're looking at one to two per trip. Uh, but there was one that we had we brought in five different sharks we tagged three of them um and i mean that was the most electric there's there's nothing like those back-to-back -back fights i mean you're exhausted at the end of it and i mean it starts screaming on that last one and you're sitting there thinking man are you kidding me i really gotta do this again but i mean that those are the most incredible nights whenever that happens All right i didn't we i know we didn't talk about this but like like what kind of gear setup does it take to be able to handle these like big sharks, like gear wise, like it's gotta be some heavy duty stuff. Yeah. So when we do the kayak drops, we're using 50 watts. You've got to, you just have to have enough line to get it out there. And then you have to have enough line for a fight that comes after you've already dropped the bait 300 yards away from your reel. Um, and then anything inshore, I mean, you can, I mean, I say inshore, I mean, casting distance. Um, we usually stick with 8,500 or above. Um, I use a bunch of pin reels and the 8500 series, anything in that really works. Um, you know, our go-to is the, uh, the slammer. It's actually, there's a nine, 500. We have uh, one of those on deck. We have a spin fisher, 10, 500. Um, and I mean, both of those are our like safest bets. You know, we use, we use those and we feel confident that we'll be able to pull something in, but there have been a couple scares where, you know, it gets pretty close to the end of there and you wish you had just a slightly bigger reel, but 80 pound test braid it's always the case um hooked up to either a 200 or 400 pound leader with 135 pound um, nylon coated wire and we use the nylon coated wire so that you don't have any extra senses going off from that metal sharks have the sensory pores and they're very sensitive to metal in the water so we try to minimize that by using nylon coated wire instead of regular um i never knew that i never knew that they react to like there's something new i learned today because I, I when i hear when i hear shark fishing i'm like thinking wire leaders heavy metal because they're going to bite through it never i never knew that their sensories could pick up that metal vibrations in the water yeah yeah well we used to use the uh just straight up wire and as we switched <laughs> over to the nylon coated stuff it's been a whole different ball game i mean that's that's our go-to now we don't even touch the regular wire so all right so something that's something to so what's this nasty, stinky bait that you love to chunk for these things? Like, do you guys hit like fish shops or like, I mean, you guys probably go do a lot of fishing yourselves and you guys oh, are wrecks. You don't buy bait. Come on. I don't know. I mean, not, not fish shop, but like uh, just uh, like a fish market where they throw oh, okay. scraps of racks and stuff like that. And then do you guys, uh -huh. do you guys do the whole chum bucket thing where you like stick a whole bucket, like 30 yards off mm -hmm. and sink it, poke holes in it and let it sit? 
Yep, done that before. Um, tie a rope to it and actually leave it on the bank so that you can pull it up in later. I don't like to leave any plastic out in the yeah, ocean. Yeah, of course. There's already a big enough problem with that. Um, but the the go-to move is just catching those big, like, 15 to 18-inch mullets and letting them sit overnight before you freeze them. It's disgusting, and it oh. smells rancid, but it works. <laughs> I don't even know how you guys eat dinner after doing a whole session like that. Yeah, you know, you, you got to eat before. The beer helps. The beer helps mask the scent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a secret weapon beer, guys. It is. It is. <laughs> all right. So we got to go through the whole shark ordeal, all the fun stuff. Let's, uh, let's talk to Ike as the fisherman. Like, usually, if you had a day to go out fishing, like, what are you targeting and why? And I know for a fact that Hilton Head in South Carolina, your fishery down there is incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, I mean, so first and foremost, it's going to be sharks just every time. But we've talked about that, so I'll mix it up. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of reefs offshore that I've gone to. And, I mean, I, I just I don't think there's anything more fun than those topwater screamers. You know, we, uh, we're talking kingfish, mackerel. Um, one time I even caught a sailfish. And, I mean, that was rare. That was very rare. Um, but... I love kingfish, man. Those things are so fun. Those things are incredible. And they get so big and they fight and they scream. And it's, those are fun. Those are very fun. Um, you know, the inshore is good. It, it entertains me during the winter, but I love to be in that deeper water. <laughs> he's, one of, he's, a, he's one of those oceanfront deep water guys. Like for us, me and Dan, we're, we're, ba- we're backwards. We love that inshore, inshore bite, you know, the, the reds, the specks. The, mm-hmm. the flute the flute the sheep's head all that stuff that intro bite that's kind of our thing yeah so. i know dan's the sheep's head king up there so oh well that actually you're talking to another one i, I just do it from my really? kayak ah, okay okay good qua, yeah. qua is uh qua is one of the top guys up here for sure we we have a pretty good group of guys on that that fish fish for those big fish around here we we know every all of us are connected we all know each other there you go there you go that's the best way to do it though i mean yeah. get a little community going and Trips yeah, together. I, I'm the kind of guy that likes to have land pretty close to block <laughs> fishing. I like to have it somewhere within like, okay, if I'm going over, can I swim that far distance? That's 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 how I judge it. That's yeah. fair. That's yeah. fair. For me, I'm the I'm the flat skiff guy. So I'm on the flats, I'm in the marshes, I'm off the bridges, or I'm I'm 10, 15 miles offshore, just trying to hit like mahi pots and like you know, fishing for fish that I'm not supposed to be doing on a 15 foot skiff. You know, I'm I'm cruising around looking for tuna, like <laughs> 50, up 11 foot hammerheads. And yeah, stuff. <laughs> like like 50, 60 pound cobias, like that kind of like when I get boards, when I run all sort of do dumb things. But, you know, that's it, what happens. Man. That's how it goes. It's when you get the best stories, too. <laughs> yeah, it gets interesting. But uh, so for this year, 2022, it's uh, looks like the things are kind of traveling back to normal somewhat. But um, any personal fishing goals that you have, like this year for yourself, like maybe a destination travel somewhere that I've never fished before, maybe maybe give us three targets fish that you would love to like knock off your bucket list. Okay. All right. Um, gosh, that's a hard um, question right there. It, um, it, it's all our listeners' favorite question too. So the top three, your top three bucket list fish that you can, right. like if you had an all expense paid trip to go anywhere in the world to do a fishing trip, what would it be? And what is your three main bucket list you want to knock off that whole list? Okay. Number one, want to go down to the Keys when the hammerheads are running after the tarpon down there. Because I, like I said before, I've never caught a giant hammerhead. And I mean, that would be awesome. <laughs> Number two, Goliath grouper. I mean, I feel like that's one that's on pretty much everybody's list. Yeah. Um, I mean, are you kidding me? It thing's the size of a dumpster truck. It's awesome. <laughs> now, do you want to do it on rod and reel, or do you want to do by hand line like I see some guys do it? I don't like the hand line, man. I don't, I don't know. Rod and reel, you got to hear that scream. <laughs> or, or, or being dragged halfway into the water by like a 700-pounder. I mean, are you kidding me? That sounds awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> um, and number two, or I mean, number three. Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, it's, I just got to go back to the sharks, man. We have that, that hundred sharks for the season goal. Mm-hmm. And that's, that season is technically all of 2022. So 
different places. I want to get to at least three or four different spots um, up the coast, down the coast. And I mean, that's going to be my main priority going forward from here is just get those hundred tags and some sharks because that would be incredible. I mean, that, that would just kind of set our organization, our club apart from the rest. And I mean, the amount of stuff that I'll be able to learn and, you know, take away from that would just be incredible. Gotcha. I mean, I mean, I, I thought this would have came up for you shooting out to Australia, going offshore, oh, yeah. Drop, yeah. Drop, dropping a cage in the water and then jumping in with like 20 foot great whites just to observe them. Now I, I would assume that would be like the ultimate thing. Like that's something I would like in my, on my dream bucket is literally, okay. I'd like to be able to jump into a cage and like literally be inches away face to face with like a 20 foot great white, you know? Okay. I'm with you there. Let me refine that then. Um, really want to go shark diving in, uh, in the Bahamas and uh, actually be like in the water with them doing some of the feedings that they do down there with the giant tigers. I oh, think yeah. that would be incredible. Like get, get your scuba equipment on. We're going down to hang out with the sharks. That sounds incredible. Yeah, people get a bad vibe from tigers, but they don't realize that tigers are very docile too. If they're not, yeah. aggro. if you don't, if you don't agitate them, they're very docile. You can swim along with them fitting with them but you know that unless you get really agit get them agitated they really don't usually attack humans yeah i mean don't throw a piece of bait in front of them and you're probably yeah. good you know? yeah don't pop a blood bag down there while you're hanging out with them right. you know what i mean don't cause a freedom frenzy that might get them to go off exactly yeah um yeah i think most sharks have that kind of bad image too i mean it's it's you know we've pulled up so many sharks and we're in a very big tourist industry place and the number one thing you hear is, oh, my God, there's sharks here. <laughs> like, of course there's sharks here. It's I mean, no it, you figure the, the odds of being attacked by a shark are you're, you're more likely to get by hit by lightning is what they, they say. You know what I mean? Like that great white shark that happened in Australia, the last attack was back like 1963 or something like that. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it was like more than 60, 70 years since the, the very first attack, a fatal attack at that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy. But um, like I said, people people get a really bad vibe from sharks. And like the only reason that I'm interested because this is something I've loved since I was a kid. You know what I mean? It's it's been in it's been in my heart since I was a kid. And I love everything there is to know about sharks. So like what Dan said, you're coming on. I'm like, ooh, shark research guy. Yes. There you go. There you go. Well, yes. uh, I'm new to the game, so I'm it's sure. All right. I expected I expected about four or five years when we reconnect, and you know, I, I I'm gonna get the in debt, all the good juicy stuff. Oh yeah. I promise to have some good stories by then. Definitely, definitely. We'll have to, uh, we'll have, to have a flashback episode for you to see what you're up to in a couple of years. You know, um, who oh, knows? Yeah. He, he might have short hair by then. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, it's the beach flow. <laughs> the beach flow. Uh, any upcoming trips you're coming this year? Any trips you have scheduled already that, you know, for like either research or just like a, a you know, just a trip for yourself? Yeah, I uh, have a trip scheduled for the end of April going out to uh, right after we have the boat trip here. We have um, there's a few days we got the boat down here. And then right after that, I'm heading down to the Bahamas to do a bunch of tagging down there and see what I can pull up. So that might be where I get some good stories. I'm, I'm hoping cool. for some good stuff down there. Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on your Instagram for those updates, man. Keep an eye on them. That sounds good. Sounds All right, good. cool. Uh, Dan, any last words before we start wrapping it up? No, oh, man, Ike, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, my friend. And we've been like kind of going back and forth the last couple of weeks. I know you've been really excited to, to talk about sharks. We've been excited to have you on. So I'm glad we were able to connect and, and get all that info out there. Because, you know, sharks is one of those things where, like, like you just said, they have they get a bad rap, man. But there's there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are doing a lot of work to, to you know, save these sharks because they are vital for our, our water. So it's, 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 it's important work that, that Ike and his friends are doing. So... I'm kind of excited to see how it goes and see where Sea Star is. You know, by the end of this year, I can't wait to see what you accomplish, my friend. No, well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. No, but definitely, definitely for a, a young man like you, just putting your effort towards conservation and stuff like that. Guys like me, old guys like me and Dan, we we totally respect that, man. It's just like it's so hard to get this generation to get involved with conservation. You know, they're more of like, I'm going to be on my phone all day. I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to do that. But like for young guys like you, getting out there putting your work, putting your mind into it just to help this fishery and the conservation. I mean, it's, dude, you get total respect from guys like us, man. hundred percent. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so the last part of this is uh, we're going to wrap it up, but we're going to need you to give us your social media plugs. 
all right all right so uh got my own right there it's a personal one it's uh it's at ike baby on instagram that's where i do most of my regular fishing posts and everything and then uh we just created a new sea star one because our old one was getting a little bit junky and uh so it's at sea star insta and uh it's just getting started but this year we're gonna be filling that in on those hundred sharks and hopefully we'll have a hundred new posts by the end of it <laughs> Gotcha. That sounds night, good. Man. So, uh, guys, um, if you didn't get it earlier, uh, we're going to make sure we have all his links to his instas from his uh, from his personal and also to his Sea um, Star one in our description. You guys be able to check it out. Follow him through his stories for the rest of the season. Let's see if he breaks that hundred. We have faith in him. He's going to do it, man. Yeah, man. This is going to be exciting to watch to like kind of have everybody watch along with you, man, because. You know, our lawyers, our, our, our listeners are real loyal. They'll start following everybody we chat with, and it's it's a great thing. So, you know, you, awesome. you'll you'll probably see a, a lot of southern uh, people start following, uh, northern people start following you here real soon. I love it. I love it. The, yeah. the more uh, the more attention we get to it, the better. Start, start getting bigger. I love it. Well, Sounds thank you, good. guys. I appreciate that. No problem, man. Well, once again, thank you, Ike, for hopping on with us. It was an incredible show. Loved everything. We learned about, I've learned a bunch of new stuff today. So that's, that, that's always a good thing in my pocket. So uh, besides good. that, um, thanks, man. Have a great night. Me and Dan's going to stay in a few moments to wrap it up. But, uh, man, just keep those lines tight and keep tagging, man. All righty, boys. Tight lines. Thanks, Ike. All right. Man. I, it's going to be real fun to see where where they go with that because you know obviously it's just going to get started really next month well, this coming month we're what mm -hmm. next week is march for crying yeah, out loud yeah, it's already yeah. march next it's week more, it's already back i swore we just took a break off to be hibernate for a few for a few weeks right just to, so we can catch up through the whole crazy fishing season we had and now we're, we're stepping right back into it again i guess i guess i did the hibernating thing this year because i really did not get out but man I, i'm looking forward to it this year i've got some big things planned I mean, heck, Luke's beating me up every day. He's like, when's winter flounder season open? So he's, he's getting excited too. So obviously winter flounder season's coming up. You know, you got your back base stripers coming up. A lot of exciting things coming, coming our way for everybody, for all of our listeners. But back to Ike, man, it's really exciting to see a young guy in the fishery, you know, doing big things for, you know, for conservation. That's really what it is, you know. Yeah. Seeing these sharks is, is really, it's huge because the sharks are a huge, uh, factor to the health of our oceans as he's mentioned a couple of times so knowing more about them is going to just make us all have more information about the health of our oceans and and hopefully be able to make some changes and starts with guys like that man young 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 dude getting in there you know you know who needs women when we have sharks right that's that, that, that's, that's it that's that's that's, that's the yeah. line that's going to make it um yeah i mean everything you said was right on point um, it's real hard nowadays, Dan, you know, to find young guys that are like that, like interested in the fisheries and how to protect it. You know, most guys, they most guys are like, Hey, we're catch, we're fill coolers, this, we're having fun, we're drinking beer, but like young guys like him that has the mindset that like, Hey, I want to make a difference. You know, I want to make a difference in this fishery and picking the shark fisheries is pretty, it's a fun red. I'm not going to say it, it's, it's, it's fun. It's sharks are one of those species as a kid. They're just fun to think about, to learn yeah. about. Um, he's literally probably, probably almost living my dream, you know, marine biology, studying sharks. It's, it's, it's one of those things. that's just so cool, man. Yeah, man. He's done. He's, he's taking the bull by the horns and, you know, just going after. And I love stuff like that, man. Like you say, you, you said, you mentioned, you know, the, the generation, what you do see though is the younger generation that's into it are all that a lot of them are very conservation friendly. And I love to see mm -hmm. that, you know, these, the younger generation that you see, you know, entering the sport are, are more conservation minded than I remember when mm -hmm. I, entered the sport. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, it's, it's like, it, it, you kind of have this thing where it's become the cool thing to, you know, take care of these fisheries. So yeah. more of that's great. You know, obviously we'll, we, we all eat fish, we get it. You know, it's just one of those things. It's it's kind of cool to see, you know, what people are doing to try and save our oceans and save our fisheries around. And that and Ike's one of those guys. So yeah. And um the generation's also using platforms to like, you know, to put conservation out there. You know, they're they're crushing Instagram, you know, all those, you know, like TikToks, all those, you know, yeah. they're making all these cool contents of people of actually releasing fish. 
you know, it, that's a big step, especially what, you know, the generation now is, is do they see it on Instagram? Hey, releasing a fish, that's a cool thing. I'm, yeah. I'm maybe if I take a cool release picture, yeah, you know, I'll be cool too. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's cliche as we would say it, but at the same time, it's, it's a good thing that they're practicing this. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I have a 13 year old, right? So I have some of these conversations with her. It's kind of scary. Some of the things you hear that the, the kids are doing these days, it seems like things are backwards. You know, all the sports players are dorks and all the, mm-hmm. you know, all the people on, on the social media, they're the cool kids. Like it's, it's just like, so yeah, when, when you see that, you know, these, these younger generations doing the right thing on their own without having someone forcing it down their throat, that's a great thing in my book. So yep. I always sign up for that. Yep. That's uh, pretty much it. I mean, that's all about it. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, man. Well, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast. As you know, we are on Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers, Facebook Tide Chasers Podcast. You can find us on all of the main podcast platforms, Uh, Apple, Spotify, we're on Pandora, iHeartRadio. And then of course we are on Waypoint TV. Which is, uh, which is an excellent uh, way to connect with us through your TV, your smart TV. They have the apps on the TVs and such. So once again, we appreciate you tuning in. And uh, as always, tight lines. Yep, tight lines, guys. We'll see you on the next episode.